everybody, and welcome to Homeschool Biscuit, the podcast where we talk about homeschooling from the perspective of a high schooler. I'm your host, Lucy Plotner, and today's guest I'm going to be talking to is a tutor who has a couple tutoring programs, and we're going to be talking about uh, what she teaches, what her tutoring program is about, and also, she's going to try to convince me not to hate math. Her name is Lindsay Wander, and without further ado, we'll get into the interview. Hey, Lindsay, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Before we get into the interview, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself personally? Sure. So, I currently own two tutoring companies. One is called Worldwide Tutoring. Uh, We work with students of all ages, all abilities, all subjects, in person and online. And the other is a nonprofit that's called Educate, Radiate, Elevate. And we work with K through 12 low-income students of color in Illinois or Texas. Okay. Go ahead. uh, Okay. Well, I was was just going to ask, will you, what exactly is Worldwide Tutoring? So Worldwide Tutoring is a tutoring company that, you know, is, is meant to help the students that are struggling with the traditional system. So whether it's academics or enrichment or test prep, but what we do is we go to the underlying concerns of why are they struggling? So often it comes down to um, needing to be taught some what people call soft skills. So, you know, time management or planning and prioritizing or advocacy. And so we really work to help students learn those skills so that they don't need a tutor and they can handle their learning on their own. Um, Because really everything is, you know, age appropriate, grade appropriate. We just got to give them the skills to be able to manage what they're learning. Okay. And how do you teach kids how to manage their time wisely? (laughs) It's a good question. So every one of the kids we get is completely, you know, different, unique. Um, We, we have, you know, being in the education world, we know of a ton of resources, a ton of tricks and strategies. And basically, we come at it from an experimental point of view of, you know what, I see what kind of learner you are, I see where you're struggling. Why don't we try this? How does that sound? And having the student try it for a good two, three weeks, and then coming back and discussing what worked, what didn't work, and adjusting accordingly. So it's much more of a experimental viewpoint than you need to do this and it's going to work. And what we do is we're able to make things really personalized in that way. So what might work for one student might not work for another, or a combination of items might work for one student that we might not have foreseen. But what we're trying to do is give them a skill set and a toolbox to choose from, regardless of what situation they're in currently or in the future, so that they can adjust to whatever comes their way. Okay. Now, is your tutoring program, is it in addition to what the kids would already be doing for school, or is it in place of that? It could be either one. So we do work with a lot of homeschooling kids and helping them and, you know, supplement what they are getting as part of their curriculum. We do have, you know, schools that attend a more traditional school and students who attend a more traditional school. Obviously, with the pandemic, things have been a little different. We've had a lot of e-learning and hybrid schooling. And so we've adjusted with that. 
We also have an entire enrichment course program to supplement that is totally separate from what's going on that can be in, you know, fun subjects such as leadership and acting or test prep subjects like getting ready for the high school entrance or college entrance exams or vocational discernment or college planning. So we do have separate curriculum, but we also can work with what the curriculum is that they already have. Um, either way, whatever it is, you know, we come from a place of making the lessons enjoyable and fun and personalized so that mm -hmm. whatever they learn during that session, they can carry through to other subject areas. Okay. Did you offer online learning before this whole pandemic happened? We did. So we've actually oh, okay. been using Zoom now for maybe five years. Wow. Um, but I got a lot of pushback from especially parents, not so much the kids, but the parents of my kid can't learn online, like that's not effective. And one of the mm. good things about, you know, Zoom being more widespread currently because of the pandemic is people are much um, more open minded about that because, you know, the parents are in their own Zoom meetings and seeing that it is effective. Yeah. Um, granted, it's not for everybody. You know, there are some students that still flourish more with the in-person setting and we are back you know to in-person since August with pretty strict safety precautions in place so that everyone is protected but we still are continuing with the online um, at a greater rate than before the pandemic and the advantage of online is that when I'm playing my tutor matchmaker of matchmaking the student with the tutor of you know, where the student is struggling and what the tutor's strengths are and putting them together, I'm not limited by geography when yeah. it comes to the online students. So it's been great in cases where they are open and can adapt to the online modality, then I have many more options of who I can match them with. Yeah. How is teaching online different from teaching in person for you? Yeah, um, it really depends on the student. In some cases, I've had students who may struggle with ADHD, for example, okay. who have done better online. And I think it might be because everything is in one place, on one screen. All the other distractions are cut out. Um, but I have also had some students with ADHD that who have done worse because they get distracted by the tabs up above. And so we've had to install extensions on their computer to help block them from getting distracted. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That's just a couple examples, but it really, it really just depends on the student. There are some valuable parts about being online. You know, we can record the sessions, we can share documents mm -hmm. right away, but then there's yeah. some aspects that are a little more challenging. Like it might be harder to read body language or, you know, it might be more difficult to do some tangible kinesthetic learning when you're online. Yeah. So whatever it is. I mean, we're educators. This is fun for us to adapt and to adjust and to learn new ways to do things. Oh, yeah. And so um, it's not a problem for us to kind of figure it out. It's like a puzzle, you know, okay, this isn't working. Why don't we try it this way? But it is nice to just have another option of, you know, it doesn't always have to be just done one way. There's another way that things can be done, which is really great when you're talking about learning, having different okay. ways of doing things is good. Okay. Earlier, you mentioned that you you uh, tutored both homeschoolers and you know regular public schoolers. Have you noticed any difference between the two? 
Um, and you know, again, every student is different. Um, and every school is different. I would say too, there are some schools that we've had students from that really come from a student centered focus, which does closely align with what homeschooling is doing in meeting students where they are and having them be active participants in what they're learning. And so in those cases, there are some similarities. Um, however, there are unfortunately many schools that take a more adult-centered approach and tend to teach from the attitude of to go from point A to point B, there's just one way to get there. Mm. And that's a little more challenging because a lot of our students especially have different ways of thinking that we completely um, applaud and we try to foster because creative problem solving and innovation um, are the ways to improve as a society beyond, you know, just that student's success. And so we really do want them to come up with their own ways of doing things. And so it is kind of changing their mindset in the sense of it's not the topic that you're struggling with. It's maybe more of the process or the method. Let's find another way to do this. And that's okay. Uh, you know, even I had a discussion with a tutor last night about how some of our students are more kinesthetic learners and they tend to fidget a lot during sessions. Mm-hmm. I'm a kinesthetic learner. And as I'm talking to you, I'm very fidgety. This is how I focus <laughs> is to fidget and, you know, changing the mindset of when you're in a classroom that might not be as open to that, sit still, be quiet kind of thing where we really mm-hmm. do encourage our tutors to meet the students where they are to find what works for them and to teach them skills so that they can thereby adapt to different environments. Um, So to go back to your original question, I would say, you know, when it comes to schools that teach from a more student-centered focus and homeschooling, we don't have to break (laughs) as many of those molds and change perceptions Mm -hmm. as often as we do with schools that are more adult-centered. And a lot of our breaking molds is simply just changing the inner dialogue the students have with themselves of, I can't do this, I'm dumb, those kind of things, I'm doing it wrong. So we really seek to show them that, you know, what they're, you know, the way they learn is okay, let's, let's make it work. Oh, okay. What made you decide to get into the world of tutoring? You know, I actually was um, a classroom teacher before this. And before that, I went into school to study biomedical engineering. So it's really been a a funny pathway. Um, Looking back now, you know, after two decades of being in the education world, I see where it all just led me right where I was supposed to be. But at the time, Mm -hmm. it did seem a little random, a little um, bumpy and windy. But, you know, it was really my classroom experiences that solidified my understanding that there are too many students slipping through the cracks because they learn differently. And as teachers with so many mandates and regulations put upon us, we often just don't have the resources or the time to address the students one-on-one without completely reshaping the way we teach and making things more student-centered, which is quite daunting to a lot of educators who don't have that support. Um, And so, you know, I tutored on the side the whole time that I was a teacher and you know, I finally decided that that's the direction I wanted to go in to work with the kids that really were running out of options of 
to court and be in some cases their last resort to help get them excited about learning again and to teach them the skills to be successful in school and beyond um, because they often just weren't getting that in the school setting. Okay. Uh, I I wanted to ask you what what's the age range age range age range of the <laughs> kids that one. you teach? <laughs> yeah. So for worldwide tutoring, um, I've always said all ages, and I really we got put to the test during the pandemic. I have students as young as two that are getting tutoring. Oh which is crazy because before the pandemic, I would have thought, what? There's no way. But now, I mean, everyone is just looking for help. And I completely support the idea of if you've tried all your options and you're stuck, ask for help. That's okay. There's, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent or your kid has problems. You just might need a little bit of help in an area that you aren't as much of an expert in as we are. Um, and we've also had a lot of adults who have made career changes and have gone back to school mm. or are trying to learn a new skill. And so we have some students in their 60s um, that are taking tutoring classes and having tutoring sessions with us. So we really are all ages. Yeah, now, the awesome. nonprofit, I focus primarily on K through 12. So, you know, okay. six, six-year-olds through 18, because those are what I foresee is the foundational years to set them up for success. Okay. Do you have a least favorite subject to teach? Oh yeah. Physics. Hmm. <laughs> That's an easy one. Um, I don't know. Physics was my one B in college and I went to tutoring every single day. I don't know what it is about physics. It's just really hard for my brain to wrap around it. Um, mm-hmm. It's the way I think. It's also one of those ones that I get students that insist that I do that with them. And I'm like, fine. And I see it as a challenge. You know, it's, it is not something that comes easy to me. It does require me quite often to refer to other resources, which is good for my students to see. I have a weak area too. I'm not perfect. And I have to often look for the answer. And here's how I do it. So in cases when you're stuck, here's how you can look for the answer. This happens. That's life. Um, but yeah, physics is a tough one for me. I I think it's fun to do in theory. I love the hands-on aspect of it, but when it comes to the deeper understanding of it, I really struggle because I think it just doesn't entirely match with what is my, um, Mm -hmm. natural learning tendencies. Okay. And do you have a favorite subject to teach? You know, what's funny is, you know, my background is more in the math and sciences, and I've always really loved teaching math because I often get people, that's probably the subject I hear most people say that they hate. Um, Mm. I hate math. I'm bad at math and I love changing their mind on it. But a strange thing that's kind of developed over the years is I've really enjoyed working on writing and reading with students because of the insight that I gain into their mind um, and the way they think and their background and especially college essays have been really enjoyable to me. They're very therapeutic Mm. for the students. We go really deep. They're almost like counseling sessions (laughs) talking about Mm. our college essays Um, and they've been really nice and self helping the guidance the students through some self-discovery. 
I've also liked going through reading with students because we can do a lot of um, discussions regarding empathy and understanding human motivations for their behavior and the impact on other people and um, understanding trends in what humans do throughout history, you know, across different societies. And I think that it just produces some really interesting discussions that are very thought provoking. So it's been strange because that's not my background, but I've really, really learned to enjoy those and look forward to them um, because of what results from the discussion. Okay. You mentioned that you meet a lot of people who don't like math. And I have to say, I am one of them. I don't (laughs) like math. So I'd like you to try to convince me to like math. Okay. I, a challenge accepted. So one of the first things I often say to people who say they don't like math is I have them explore their reasons for it. And when it comes down to it, it often, and and I'm saying this from an educator point of view, locks into a bad experience they had with a teacher or a class. And Mm -hmm. they say with math, especially, you know, one bad teacher can set a kid back like three years. Um, And so There's often either maybe not one bad teacher, but multiple bad teachers. And I say bad teachers in a very subjective sense, but just Mm -hmm. they they aren't matching with that student's learning style. Um, And that's usually where it starts. The other aspect of math that often gives people trouble is that part I mentioned before, that there's often only taught one way to get to an answer. And um, the only way to get there is the way that you're shown And then how does that connect to life? You know, okay, so you're teaching me about quadratic equations. What's the point? How am I going to use this in my actual life? Yes, those are the arguments I tend to hear. So the way that I discuss that with students is, unfortunately, that idea of it being taught, there's one way to go about it. I think we're missing the mark there. I -hmm. believe that while you may not use quadratic equations in your life, the process of problem solving, the process of having a problem presented to you, knowing you have to unravel it, go into your toolbox of multiple ways to unravel it and find the most efficient way to do it to get to a final answer. That's a skill set that you use in life that is harder to teach and to assess in a real life context. Mm but it is a skill set that creative problem solving skill set is as, and I'll tell you as an adult and especially as an entrepreneur, it's very valuable to be Mm -hmm. able to look at a problem and think, how can I get this quote unquote solved with the tools I have available to me in the most efficient and um, successful way possible. And so if we look at math in that way, of look, I can show you five ways to get to the answer. Let's pick the way that works best for you. I think it's really cool because there's not a lot of subjects where you can get to the same end result in multiple different ways. And so it's really neat to find the way that works the best for you and then to apply those problem solving skills to life. I also think math is nice because there is definitely patterns in there. There is that aha moment Mm -hmm. of getting the answer. So there's a lot of revelations that make you feel excited when you hit them that I think are are nice for motivation and encouragement and 
it's one of those ones where you can get instant gratification from um, less so, you know, than like writing, which is really dependent on the person's perception when they read it or science, which is constantly changing and evolving. Yeah. You know, math is pretty steady and it's pretty yeah. consistent. And even if you come at it from a backwards direction, there's still processes and steps you go through. And so I think, you know, once you kind of let go of the feeling about it, you can actually find a lot of joy and confidence in math. That's my short answer. <laughs> Have I convinced you? Uh, I'm getting there. I got to okay, say. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Have you changed a lot of people's minds about math? Yeah. Every okay. student I've had that's yeah. come to me and said, I hate math has come to me later on and said something along the lines of, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is one of my favorite <laughs> subjects now. Oh, wow. Every single time from children to adults and children are easier to fix, <laughs> fix their mindset. Um, sometimes it's one session and the next session they're just saying, you know, I think of this differently. And they're telling me mm -hmm. their own ways to solve problems, which I completely applaud. Adults yeah. is a little harder, you know, the older they are, we got more to unpack, but yeah. They, they will hesitantly tell me, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the mm -hmm. stuff I do first now. This is, I'm seeing connections in real life for it now. Wow. Um, and so it's, it's every single time I've never had someone say that they still hate math by the time they're done with tutoring. It's really interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to talk to you about your nonprofit teaching mm -hmm. organization that you mentioned. Will you tell us about that? Happily, this is definitely my passion project. So I'm very excited about it. Um, I just started it about four months ago. And running a nonprofit is very different than running a typical business because there's a lot of compliance with the government, particularly the IRS, and having it be a tax deductible organization. Um, or a tax exempt organization, I should say, that people can make tax deductible donations to. There's also a lot of compliance with the people who are donating, and you know whether it's grants or you know private donors, and meeting their conditions to make sure that their money and their materials are being used properly. So it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of networking and learning. Um, but when it comes down to the actual mission of it, that's the part that drives me to keep going. And the knowledge that what we're going to be doing is providing these really high quality services to students that otherwise wouldn't have access to them. Um, and for me, that's exciting because I really truly do believe that all students have the ability to learn and they're often limited by their circumstances not their ability. And so being able to make education more equitable is extremely exciting. Um, and what I've seen in my experience when I was a classroom teacher, I, I actually taught in South Central Los Angeles, which is one of the places you hear oh, okay. about in a lot of rap songs, if that puts <laughs> any context to it. Um, but it's definitely a low income area with many, all of my students were of color. And it is a neighborhood that's right next to Beverly Hills, which oh. you've also heard about. And yeah. what we did is teach from a perspective of making sure the kids were enjoying learning and working on those core skills. And what happened 
was the less we focused on standards, the higher our students actually achieved. And we were scoring higher than the Beverly Hills kids. And every sign should have told us we weren't. We were renting out space at the church. Their you know, playground was the parking lot. We had very little resources. But what we had was the understanding of our kids and being able to give them what they needed for their education beyond just taking that test, beyond their test scores, beyond their grades. Um, and I've taken those lessons and have applied them to my tutoring as well as this nonprofit in the sense that, you know, race and income isn't your destiny. You know, you can make mm -hmm. large steps forward if you're given yeah. the proper opportunities. So our goal is to give K through 12 low-income students of color one-on-one -on -one tutoring that can help them with academics, enrichment, test prep, college planning, college applications, but we're also working on those core values, working on getting them to enjoy learning again, to um, feel more motivated, to feel hopeful, to have these soft skills that cross all subjects and all grades and into other areas of their life so that when the tutoring ends, they're still in a really powerful position to direct their own life and to make changes, not just in their life, but the lives of those around them. And I think by doing that, it's when we will start to actually see bigger changes in the communities that need it most. That's how we will start propelling society forward. Um, it's through education. I mean, I'll go back to that over and over again, and we can't neglect our most vulnerable. They're the ones who need us most. Okay. Well, thank you for answering all my questions. This was definitely very enlightening. And now we're going to get into the lightning round. It's just a couple of random questions and you just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. So okay. the first question is, if you could only say one word for the week, what would it be? I, geez, that's a really hard question. Um, I would say. Definitely make your job harder. Man, I'm like one word, like this is one word I can say to everybody. I would say love. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Mm, okay. The next question is take a guess at how many pennies would fit in the room that you're sitting in. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Probably a few billion. And it's not a huge room, but I think if we really packed them in here and we're wise in how we place them, we could put a lot in this room. Yeah. The room I'm in isn't too big, but I'd say probably a, mm, probably a few million in here. A few million? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of oh, zeros. actually, yeah. I don't know how <laughs> to judge penny placement, so. Well, hey, you came up with the question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Okay. Would you rather live in a theme park or in a zoo? A zoo, a hundred percent. I have been described as Alice in Wonderland skipping through a forest, making friends with all the furry creatures. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many animals I had. And when I had a classroom, my students told me I should charge admission. <laughs> so wow. yeah, zoo, hands down. The last question is, what is your least favorite day of the week? I hate to say it, but probably Monday. And it's uh, mainly just because, especially lately, I've really gotten slammed on some Mondays. <laughs> like I try my best to prepare for it over the weekend and then Monday hits and I'm like, seriously, 
So mm-hmm. it, it hasn't been my most exciting day. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the lightning round. Thank you for answering uh, the random questions. Uh-huh. And also thank you for coming on the show to talk with me. Yeah, happy to yeah. do so. And, and thank you for having a platform that um, different people can listen to to talk about topics like this. Yeah. Right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And see you next time on Homeschool Biscuit.